1: Today.
2: Amen. Hallelujah, brothers and sisters. Are you glad to be here today? Hallelujah. I hear one person clapping. Let's show the Lord how glad we are to be here today. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad to be in the house of God today. Hallelujah. For here the manifest presence of God is. And I hear that wonderful song that the praise group just sang, brothers and sisters aren't you glad that God is fighting your battles? I know I am. Because I can't fight them on my own. Like King Jehoshaphat said, Lord, my eyes are upon you. Because when they're on me, nothing happens. Nothing gets accomplished. But when we put our eyes on the Lord, when our focus is on Him, when we give Him honor and give Him glory, like we're doing right now today, things start to happen. Miracles happen. God moves. When we honor God, God will honor you. The Bible says that, amen? Thank you, brother. Amen. That's right. So let's uh, just read something that the Lord wanted us to hear today. Talking about honoring, not only God, but to a degree, the government, the powers that be,
3: established by
2: God, and Titus 3 We're told, by Paul, to remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures, sins. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he did that on the cross, brothers and sisters. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. Aren't you thankful for his loving kindness, his tender mercy, amen? He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And because of his grace, he made us right in his sight. And he gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Oh, what a blessing that is. What a blessed assurance God gives us right there. So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let's thank him for his loving kindness. Let's thank him for his mercy, for his providence in our life. Dear Heavenly Father, our almighty God, creator of the universe. I was having a conversation with this young man, Matthew, over lunch the other day. And he says, when I think about God, I think of him as being the universe. For he created the universe. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the Bible says. The world's and they that dwell therein. God made it all, brothers and sisters. and It is to him that we come today. And we thank him for watching over us. For keeping us safe from danger, seen and unseen. Like we have no idea how many things God has prevented happening to us. Bad things. One of our members, a man of his boat crew, fell overboard and he drowned, we fear, last week. they haven't found them yet. We don't know what the next moment will bring in any of our lives. We just need to be thanking God and praising Him. Thank Him for the battles that He's won in our lives. Praise Him for the things that He does every day. Lord, continue to watch over us. Protect us. Do what you said in your word. Give your angels charge over us. To keep us in all of our ways Not some of our ways All of our ways Your word says that the angels of the Lord encamp around those Who fear you Who love you, believe you Love you with all our heart, mind and soul Heavenly Father that's us Order our steps this week And the rest of our lives really According to your word We want to do what pleases you dear God Amen We want to make you happy And then we will be happy Strengthen us dear God fill us with your Holy Spirit like never before. Watch over especially our youth and our elderly, our most vulnerable. And Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you help the homeless. There are so many in this cold weather out there and have nowhere to stay. Put it upon our hearts, dear God, to care for them, to do what we can. When we see them standing on a corner, dear God, maybe think about giving them a dollar or two. That's what Jesus would Lord, we love you, we give you honor and glory, bless our pastor and the staff here at Christ the Cornerstone, the elders, and every precious member, and all the wonderful volunteers, this we humbly ask in the mighty name of Jesus we pray, amen, and would you join me in saying amen, please. God bless, you may be seated.
4: My name is Lynn. Welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, so we wanted to take a few minutes and let you know about some of those. It is a special thing to be able to trace the steps of certain parts of church history. This fall, we have an opportunity to do just that. We're excited to announce the Wesley Heritage Tour from September 20th to 27th. The trip will include tours of Epworth, Stratford, Stonehenge, and Oxford to see the places that inspired the Wesleys to leave their mark on these areas and lay the foundation for faith movements. To learn more, stop by the Welcome Center for a brochure or visit ctcde.church/events. God has recently blessed us with a brand new bus. We are preparing to use this for various ministries at CTC. This includes transportation to and from weekend services, events, appointments and other activities. To make this work we need drivers. We are looking for people who will be on call as well as those willing to be scheduled for events. A Class C CDL license is required and we will provide all other training. If you're interested in this ministry send an email to lpoindexter at ctcde.church. Our online campus is very important to us for many different reasons. It takes a team effort each week to bring a quality worship experience to those who cannot be in the building with us. To make our team run more efficiently, we need to add three or four additional camera operators. You don't need any prior experience, although an eye for photography is a big help. We will provide the training that you need. You will begin by shadowing an experienced operator as you explore this ministry. To find out more, go to ctcde.church/serving. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. You can find more information about all the events happening at our church by going to ctcde.church. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Have a great week.
3: Good morning everyone. Thank you for joining us, even though it snowed yesterday and it's still pretty cold. I looked at the temperature, it said it was 10 degrees and I told my sister I think that should be illegal because I'm not a fan of the cold. Good, um. luck. good,
5: good luck with that.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs> Again, welcome
3: and thank you for joining us today. Um, If you are in the sanctuary with us and you are new, again, welcome. Before you leave, once you leave the sanctuary and go to the left, you will see the welcome center where you will receive a free gift and be greeted by some from our pastoral staff. And for those of you online, if you are new here, you can click the new here button at the top or the bubble that popped up in the chat. And again, for everyone in person here, whether you're at the table or at your seat, you will see the commit cards where we would love for you to fill out your name so we know that you're here today. And also, if you have a prayer request, you can write that down, too, because we're always praying for you. And, of course, for those online, you can click the Connect Car button at the top or click the bubble that popped up in the chat.
5: I am so glad you decided to come out this morning on a frigid, cold day. You got your car cleared off, your your driveway shoveled out. My, My streets don't get plowed out unless there's four inches of snow, and we got more than four inches of snow, but I think by the time the guy came to measure it, so many cars had driven over it, it was only two inches, so he probably decided, I ain't going to plow that. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the way it goes anyway, and uh, so glad that you decided to come out, and if you're online, just want to welcome you. you. You know, we practice generosity here, and we talk about generosity in many ways. And today I want to talk about the generosity of our prayers. We've got the, 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 the prayer cards and the, the envelopes that we have. And you know, there are probably 60 or 70 people among us who are committed to pray every week for your prayer requests. And the good thing is that not only do we go over the prayer requests, we hear answers to prayer, and we hear them often. One of the prayers that I often have is, Lord, send us the leaders, send us the volunteers, send us the servants. We talk about serving. uh, Love, serve, and engage. And that's one way that we grow in our faith. And so I know you hear the word volunteer, but we prefer the word serve. Um, But then again, serving kind of sounds a little stark sometimes. So we we use a variety of terms. But I thank God for the ways that you are generous with your service. People have stepped up. We have new people preparing to be part of the, the praise team. We have new people preparing to be part of the media team, as, as you saw on the announcement. Uh, we have people um, who, who are, like I said, the praise team at both of our campuses. And that is a powerful answer to prayer. And God has opened up new, new opportunities for us recently to help with homeless persons. So keep praying that God will provide the leadership that we need. One of the things that, that I haven't mentioned in a while is, you know, we've got 25 acres here at the Bear Campus, and uh, we used to have people leading a, a, an initiative to have a garden there for people to have garden spots. But we lost the leadership of that. They moved away, and that's what happens. So we need somebody who's willing to take, take lead in, in developing the garden again and uh, to, to minister to people in that way. So maybe the Lord is asking you to do that. But our prayers are... God, teach us. And I'm so proud of the way that we're all generous with our prayers. So the principle of generosity that we're experiencing is is this principle, number seven. Would you read this with me? We give with a sense of loyalty in support of fellow believers. And our prayers do that. We were able to help uh, one of our members this week with a very expensive um, electric bill that they couldn't handle. And uh, because of your generosity, in many ways, we are able to do that. And I just want to say thank you uh, to you for that. Here's a scripture that goes along with uh, that kind of generosity. Let's read this together. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and our sisters. So I just, let's praise God for that and give thanks to God for the ways in which He provides for others through us. So don't stop doing that. Let's, let's pray. And I invite you to stand if you're here in the room and, and and be in an attitude of prayer at home as we continue to worship our God, giving thanks to Him. Let's Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and the many ways that you provide to us. Thank you, Lord, for the responsibility that you give us to help one another, support one another, and to be generous with with ourselves, with our time, with our prayers, with our energy, with our thoughts, and even with the resources that you give to us. The resource lately you might have given to some of us is a shovel, and so we've been generous with shoveling and helping other people clear out, and we thank you for that. Come be present with us, Lord. Refill us today with your spirit. Fill us with hope. Fill us with your sense of power and all of who you are as we continue to worship you and hear you speaking to us. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.
1: chat. I'm believing for a miracle. Somebody will pray with you. We can trust in God because His Word is true and it does not lie. The mountains might seem immovable, and I said this a few I, I heard this from somebody else. I wish this was original to me, but I heard it from somebody else. God may not move that mountain that He want you to, wants you to climb, but He's always promised to climb it with us. He's either going to move it or he's going to climb it with us. So, God, we know today that you can move those things that are unmovable. You can walk with us in tough places. You can be with us, Lord, in places when we need to see a miracle from you. I think about the story of Abraham. You know, a miracle takes a couple of specific things. To have a miracle, first of all, there needs to be a vision. Second of all, there's a depth of that vision that happens is God brings a miracle. Abraham took his son. Abraham was promised to be the father of many nations. God gave him a son, and then he said, oh, by the way, I want you to take him up on this mountain now and sacrifice him. Wait, what? So he did what God told him to, knowing that somehow God was going to provide the sacrifice. So Abraham had the vision, and then he had the apparent death of that vision, because now, oh, wait a minute, now I've got to go sacrifice my only offspring, who's the only way that can perpetuate and, and make me the father of many nations. Then they get up on the mountain and what happened? God provided the sacrifice the miraculous. They didn't know. They didn't say, no way of knowing that that was, that that was going to happen. And then when they came down from the mountain, rejoicing and knowing that God had been so good to them. Those of you that are believing for a miracle today in this room and online... Wherever you are, let's think back about what he's done before. About the things that he, about the goodness of God in our lives. We can't see what's ahead of us. None of us can. But we can see the evidence of God's hand. We can see the evidence of God's hand at work. Over over and over again in our lives. And that evidence can lead us to the place where we can believe for what we need to believe God for. Everybody hearing my voice right now and knowing what I'm saying about the goodness of God doesn't mean that everything has always turned out like we wanted. But it means that God has walked through us, through through it with us. It hasn't left us alone. Yeah, there have been hard times. Tough times. we thought we weren't going to get through. But with God's help, we did. And we're standing here today as a testimony to that, as a testimony to His goodness. So God, we pray that You would remind us today of Your goodness. Remind us, Lord, help us as we look back on the things that You have done in our lives before us to look back with eyes of understanding and knowing that the way things, the way you orchestrated things in our lives has brought us to this place today. Your word says you work all things together for good. And that's a whole lot of orchestration. I think about that sometimes that I, I'm trained as a conductor so when I'm conducting a vocal group and an orchestra there, I have what's called a conductor score. And it's about this tall. There's only one line of music and it's everybody's everything that they're doing all the way down the page. And so as a conductor, you have to look from the top to the bottom because you have to know when these people come in and when these people come in and everything that all these people do affects what these people do later on. And so for God to orchestrate all those things in all of our lives so that we would be here today as a part of this family of faith, working for his kingdom, that's a whole lot of orchestration. Can you imagine that conductor score? But God's goodness is evident to all of us. If we will but... going to be in kids ministry today you'll go with miss april after we're done with this prayer will you join me in prayer today father we thank you for your goodness and we thank you lord that we can celebrate that lord you brought us through difficult times you brought us through good times but lord we praise you for all of it because it's all worked in us to make us who we are to bring us to a place of perfection not that we don't make any any mistakes, but you're bringing us to a place of wholeness, fulfilling the calling in each of us. So, Lord, today we pray that you would continue that. I pray for April today and her team as they minister to her kids. We pray that you would pour into them, bring your anointing. We pray for Pastor Roger as he comes today to bring the next in the series of messages on the churches of Revelation. Lord, open our hearts and our ears that we might hear. Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated.
5: Pastor Bill, for that prayer, singing that song, <clears throat> the phrase, this phrase stuck with me. And let me just give you this tip about worshiping. When it, 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 you come in here, and, and I know every church has its own style for worship, and sometimes we get it and sometimes we don't. And when you, when you hear, perhaps when you hear a new song, you're like, oh, it's hard for me to worship with that song because I don't know the music, I don't know the words, and I'm stumbling over it, and, and I can't sing anyway. Grab one of the phrases of these songs and just just let it settle in your mind and think about that and and say, hey God, help me understand what you're saying through this song and how can I worship you through this song. That's one of the ways we can engage God during worship. And so here's a phrase in that last song that we just sang that, that got me last night and again today. All my life, you have been faithful. And I know that we've all seen children, for example, on, on television or, some, or we've asked children or maybe, maybe at a birthday party or something like that, a child gets a new bicycle, child gets something that they've really wanted, they've been waiting forever for it, and the child comes out with this great, wise saying, all my life I waited for this. All my five years <laughs> I waited for this, and those of us who are... Six years old think, oh yeah, right, five years. Those of us who are 65 years old say, isn't that cute? Isn't that wonderful? But let's apply that to God. And whether or not you came to faith in Jesus Christ one minute ago, (laughs) or 56 years ago, or longer than that, or maybe it was 10 years ago that you came to Christ and you've been thinking, I'm 50 years old, and when I was 40, I finally surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. But I never thought about God being with me all 50 years of my life. But that's what we just sang. All my life. Even those years when you denied Christ, Christ is still with us. God is here, and He's leading us in a place that leads all of us toward Him, now, the question is, are you going to follow that path that leads toward Him, or are you going to veer off and follow another path? And I was thinking, um, you know, I've walked around Lum's Pond uh, a, a few times, and I've ridden my bicycle through the, through the trails around Lum's Pond, and, and as I'm going through, because I'm human and I'm in this time and I'm in this place, I can't be at two places at once, And if I get to a a why in the trail, I've got to decide this way or this way. I can't do both at the same time. We can't follow the way of God, the way of Jesus, and our own way at the same time. It does not work. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 2. And I think... What I've just illustrated for us kind of gives us a picture of of what we're going to see in this passage. And we've been uh, going over Revelation and seeing these, these seven letters that Jesus has given to John. He's revealed them to John. That's why it's called the Revelation, because He has revealed them to John. And these seven letters to the churches... And there's seven different churches, and I've said this before, these are not seven different letters that have nothing to do with you. These are letters, all seven of them, appropriate for us to hear in our world today. So we come to this letter written to the church of Thyatira. And let's look at these letters. Revelation chapter 2, beginning with verse 18. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God whose eyes are like flames of fire. Picture that. That's a beautiful picture. One of the great things about the book of Revelation is that it calls you, it invites you, it asks you, it expects you. To use your imagination in reading these things. And and if you're not using your imagination when you're reading through the book of Revelation, you're not gonna get it. Because it's gonna be static words. There's so much description here that, that that God created us to 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 imagine these things. So imagine this Jesus being like flames eyes like flames of fire piercing you. <laughs> Piercing your soul. He's speaking to you. I'm not sure what the next image means, whose feet are like polished bronze. Now, in each of these letters we have learned that, that the description, uh but, but well, the sender, uh, the, the the address has changed. We, we want to I think next week might be Philadelphia. Where have we been so far? Ephesus? Pastor and Smyrna? And last week was Pergamon and Thyatira. Each one of these cities had a different description given to them, written specifically to them, and, and that each of these descriptions describes something about the actual city to which these letters are sent. And so, Thyatira is known for making bronze. They've got the furnaces there to, to take the ore, and to, I don't know how you make bronze, but it requires a lot of heat. <laughs> and skill and work and effort and then to shape it i imagine that one of the one of the trades after the, after the after they got the the, the 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 right combination for bronze one of the trades was probably to pour some of that bronze into these little figurines that represented the gods that all these people worshiped and then they'd sell them to the to the vendor just like we do there's a wholesaler or maybe he was the manufacturer and the wholesaler, and then he would take it to the market and he would sell them to the people, and that's how he made his living selling gods. So think about Thyatira and 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 making either these little figurines that, that they worship, <clears throat> or maybe there's this big statue that they've created, making it of bronze, and the feet are polished, pure bronze. I don't know, what maybe he's talking about the, the holiness of Jesus, for example, in this, in this passage. But that's who it comes from. And it's written specifically for the people of Thyatira. And it reflects their circumstance and their situation. Just like when God speaks to each one of us. He speaks in our own context. He speaks to us. And He understands what you're going through. We see that in verse 19 as we continue. He says, I know all the things you do. Here are these eyes, (laughs) like fire, looking out over us. And sometimes it's kind of a neutral phrase. I see all the things you do. Is that a positive phrase or a negative phrase? That depends on what you've been doing. (laughs) You've been doing the right stuff. You've been doing the wrong stuff. Which is it? So Jesus is saying, I see all that you do. I know all the things that you do. And then he starts listing them. And fortunately for the church of Thyatira, there's a long list of positive things. He says, I have seen your love. I've seen your faith. I have seen your service. I have seen your patient endurance. Good for you. And you can hear the affirmation that Jesus is giving to this church. And in every one of these letters, Jesus starts out with that affirmation. And then we get to the but. But, thank you Jesus for that affirmation. And we cannot allow what comes after the but to totally discount what came before the but. This is a church that is doing good things. Just like you do many good things. Just like many of our churches do many good things. However, there's always room for improvement. Right? God is calling us to be holy like He is holy. And, and that means, I know I am not complete yet. But He is making me complete. That's kind of what the word holy means. That is certainly what the word means. Whole and salvation mean, the Hebrew word for salvation means also wholeness. Are you whole? He's making me whole in many ways. So He's moving us on. But it's also your patient endurance. And there's that final phrase. I almost skipped it. He says, and I can see your constant improvement in all these things. Good job. You value improving things. Now let's go back to the to the uh, making of bronze, and you've got to have the right mixture. I probably should have studied up on how you make bronze and what and what is the what what, what is an alloy, right? And so, what other metals are are mixed in to bronze? And there's probably certain amounts. I know in in, in America, you know, some of us have lived in steel making whether Bethlehem Pennsylvania or Pittsburgh Pennsylvania or, or whatever and there's a certain amount of, of, of this compound and and, and this chemical and, and this in make the making of things and as they work on it they probably have to constantly improve what they're doing and Jesus sees their constant improvement in all these things And we get to verse 20 and he says but I have this complaint against you. You're permitting that woman, you're permitting that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet to lead my servants astray. So remember, I talked about walking through life and we get to a path, we get to a why in the pathway, we've got to choose this way or that way. And here's somebody standing at that why saying, Go this way. This is the right way to go. But then we've got God's Word. We've got Jesus telling us to go. This is the way Jesus wants us to go. But we've got to make a choice in this. And, and, and what the complaint that Jesus has for this church is that they permit this person, and, and, and it may be referring to multiple people. I don't know who exactly John is referring to. It can be applied to a singular person. I also think it can be applied to a group of people. It could be applied to to all these things. But the point is, the way that Jesus wants us to go, we're being distracted from it, and we're paying attention to this other teaching over here. Let's finish reading the, the passage. It says, "...she teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols." Verse 21 says, I gave her time to repent. So, so that tells me that, that, that God has communicated the truth to this person or this teaching. And, and ha, He has countered it. But those who are teaching it refuse to stop teaching it. it. says she does not want to turn away from her immorality. And God certainly does call His people to live A certain morality in this life. We cannot ignore that. There is a moral teaching that that Jesus expects from those of us who seek to follow Him. And she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, she doesn't. I think the word want is significant in this. She doesn't even want to turn away. It's not that she can't. It's that she won't. She's inflicting her will on it. But I like that immorality. It pleases me. Or maybe I'm hooked on that immorality. And it's become such a habit in my life that I say I can't stop it. But it is not pleasing to God and He's still calling us to stop it. So God says, verse 22, Therefore I will throw her on a bed of suffering. You've heard the phrase, you're gonna you gotta lie in the bed you make. I bet it comes from right here in the scripture. <laughs> I will throw her on a bed of suffering. And those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. I will strike her children dead. You know, April, who Miss April, who went with the children downstairs. She really struggled. How, how are we going to talk about this with the children? So if you have children, ask, how, how did Ms., what did you talk about today? See how Miss Abril handled that, striking her children dead. And then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and the intentions of every person. God is the one who does this. And I will give each of you whatever you deserve. There's another but in this passage. I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed the false teaching. The deeper truths, as they call them. The depths of Satan, actually. He says, I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. I'm on my way. I put those words in there. (laughs) Why would He tell us to hold on if He is not on His way? He is on His way. He is coming. So hold on tightly to what you have. We're going to look at what we have later. And to all who are victorious, those who obey Me. Notice in this one, the definition of victorious is the one who obeys. I got a little micromanaging this morning in, in the room. There, there was a detail that I wanted a particular way. And so to the volunteers that we had, I, I, I went and I said, this is the way I want it. And I got an eye roll. And <laughs> somebody else said, that's the way the pastor wants it. We'll do it the way the pastor wants it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Those who are victorious in Jesus are the ones who obey. I'm not God. And the detail that I was asking for was just a, I know it was a petty little detail, but to me it made a difference, and I wanted it consistent. And and, and so 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 I said, all right, and I, I dealt with the eye roll, and, and that's fine, and I, I love that person, and I affirm that person. I'm so glad, and I'm not upset with that person who gave me the eye roll. And we laughed together, because I know it was just a little petty detail, and I'll still live if it doesn't get done that way. <laughs> that's the only way I want it done. <laughs> But to God, the victorious one is the one who obeys God to the very end. Hold on to it. And to them I will give the authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod. I smash them like clay pots and they will have the same authority I received from my Father. And I will also give them the morning star. And anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand What he is saying to the churches. Now, there is so much in this. We absolutely don't have time this morning to go through every word, every phrase. And you're saying, good, I'm glad. But let's talk about several things in here. We already talked about Thyatira, the city where bronze is made. It's the main product. So another idea that I want us to, and and I've touched on this, and that is the idea of the blessing that God gives to us. We've already talked about a little bit about the blessing. And these things that God is saying, this is good. So the blessing that He's giving to us is that I see your love. I see your faith. I see your service. I see your endurance. I see the improvement that you're making in life. Keep going. Don't stop doing these things. These are the good things. But I want you to, as long as you're people who, who, who appreciate improving life, <laughs> let me give you something to improve. He says, and, and this is the complaint that he gives to us. He says, you permit this false teaching from wherever it comes. And, and my emphasis here is on the false teaching, not necessarily on where it comes from. I think this term Jezebel is, is just used as a, as a description coming from the Old Testament. And and if you don't know who Jezebel is, you'll have to go back in the Old Testament and we don't have time for that today. Figure out who is this person Jezebel. But it's an allusion to the Old Testament saying there was this woman in the Old Testament who led people astray. And you're doing the same thing by allowing this person, by allowing this teaching to come into your life. And you permit it. Now I want to... This word in the Greek language is interesting. Because apparently there is not an equivalent to the word permit in the Greek language. So really what this, uh, a, a, a very literal translation of the Greek in this is, you do not cast off the teaching. And so it's interesting, there's, you know, the, the word permit has a positive meaning to us. It means to, to, to put a barrier against, to, to stop it. But the Greek doesn't really say that, it doesn't have, it's not that sophisticated of a language at that time to be able to say that. So, so it kind of gives us this phrase that we have to, okay, that's kind of an idiom in our English language. You don't cast off. And, and some images came to my mind as we were thinking about that. You don't shed this teaching. Okay, so if you look at me and Pastor Bill, if Pastor Bill were to come out here this, this, uh, this morning and stand right next to me, you'd, you'd think that we coordinated our outfits this morning. He's got a pair of blue jeans on. He's got a burgundy sweater, just like mine. It's got a quarter zipper on it, just like mine. It's got the collar that sticks up, just like mine. And the only thing different is that mine's knit a different way than his is knit. <laughs> he, got the, he got the memo. He got the memo. Uh, he doesn't have—he doesn't have the extra. I thought, I'm not going to get cold today. I'm putting on three layers, and I'm warm right now. It feels good. I like to be warm. But if I was to shed this shirt, if it got too warm, I would take it off. That's what—that's what this permit means. It means to shed this teaching. Don't let it stick to you. Don't let it cling to you. We have the saying, "Water off a duck's back." This is what God is saying. You don't take this teaching and treat it like water off a duck's back. You let it soak into your clothing. You let it absorb into your life. You let it get in there. And that's my complaint that I have against you. Don't let these false teachings get a hold in your life. Shed them. Listen to the clear and the true teaching that comes from Jesus. And, and what are those things? We had, some, we had some things earlier. He says them in the blessing, whether it's the love, the faith, the service, the endurance, the constant improvement. Those are part of the true teachings of Jesus. Keep working in those directions. But this other thing where, that leads to sexual immorality, immorality stop it! <laughs> I say it like that and I immediately think of the old Bob Newhart show when he Back in the 70s, when he, was a, when he was a psychologist and somebody was sitting on his couch saying, I have this problem. And Bob Newhart says, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing this. Bob Newhart says, stop it. <laughs> and that's his great counseling. Stop it. That's what it means to repent. God is saying, to those who do this and those who follow her, they must repent and turn away from their evil deeds. They don't cast it off. We've got to learn to cast it off. How can we cast it off? Here are four things I think that we can do to cast off false teaching. And these are fairly quick and and, and I think very practical. First, we need to accept the responsibility that it is my responsibility to permit or to cast off these teachings. I cannot blame somebody else for teaching me this. If there's somebody else is in my influence and has taught me to do this thing that I learned because of the Holy Spirit speaking to me, I'm not supposed to do it. It is my responsibility. And I can't say, well, that person taught me to do it this way. No, Jesus is teaching you a new way. And when you are convicted of that, it's your responsibility to change it. We need to accept responsibility for our thoughts, our words, our actions. It's our responsibility. Your responsibility to determine whether or not you're following Jesus' teachings. We have to receive that responsibility God gave it to us. Secondly, we can confess that we need God's help in this. Jesus, I need you to help me. If you're asking me to change something in my life, I can't do it my own. I need you, Jesus. And we need to make that confession clear. To Jesus. Paul urges us to in Romans 12 21 to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We've got to take that responsibility. We need to confess any confusion that we have. Here's the teaching that Jesus is telling me to do, but the world is telling me to do this. Jesus, I'm confused. How am I supposed to live my life? Here's one thing that we all experience. Jesus, I've been doing this thing that the, teach- the world has been teaching me to do. Everybody around me is doing it. It's okay. It's not immoral according to them. But Your Word is telling me something different. Jesus, I'm confused. I don't know how to do this. Jesus, I need Your help to do this. Call on the name of the Lord who will teach us everything. And that leads us to the third thing. Ask God's Spirit of power, love, and self discipline. Now this comes from first Timothy chapter one no, second Timothy chapter one verse seven. Somebody will correct me if that's wrong. Thank you. Those of you who memorized that. Second Timothy chapter one verse seven says, For I have not given you a spirit of fear and power. No, no, no. I'm missing a word. Sorry. I didn't write this one down. I have not given you a spirit of fear and timidity. Thank you. (laughs) But I have given you a spirit of power, of love, and sound mind, which some translations use self-discipline. But a sound mind and self-discipline are very close things depending on how you want to translate it. God has given us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, or sound mind. God does not want us to be confused. Confusion does not come from God. God wants us to be clear in what we're doing and what we're thinking. And the fourth thing that we can do practically is to focus our thoughts on the right things, and again, Paul teaches us in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. He says, "And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing: fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable." Philippians four eight. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. These are how we shed. These are how these are the ways practical steps that we can take to shed and not permit the teachings of this world or the teachings of that Jezebel or anybody else whether it's a group of people or whether it's an individual to soak into our lives to get into our skin, under our skin and into our behaviors. This complaint I have with you, God says, is that you allow these things to come in and be part of your life. You need to stop it. Another point, uh, we'll go through these quickly. Let's look at the punishment in verse 22. God says, Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering. Verse 23 says, I will strike her children dead. Later in verse 23, it says, I am the one who searches out the thoughts and the intentions of every person, and he says, I will give each of you whatever you deserve. We need to be careful as the church, as the body of Christ, to let God be the judge, to let God be the determiner of the consequences in other people's lives. We need to protect ourselves from the false teachings and focus on things that are good and right and honorable and praiseworthy. And I know that that our lives, all of our lives, we, we have a mixture of the good and evil right in it. And we can be tempted... To, to when we see that, that good and evil, we can be tempted to take it upon ourselves and inflict the punishment on this person. But I think it's significant that, these, that in this verse, in these two verses, these four, three verses, <laughs> God is the one who is judging the intentions of every person. And we need to be careful with that as we're in our relationships with one another. God is the one who acts God is the one who judges. God is the one who searches out the thoughts of and intentions of every person. And I've caught myself being angry at somebody or being in a relationship with somebody and saying, oh, you're just, you're, you're, and I, and I go through this long list of things of, of the intentions of what they intended to do. And I go into a place that God may not want me to go to. And I know that what I'm saying now, could, there's, there's a lot of room for interpretation. <laughs> All I'm asking for us is to be careful with it. And remember that God is the ultimate and the final judge. And he calls us to look at others with love, with compassion, with generosity, with patient endurance. And he values those things and he says... You're the church that does these things and you do them well. Don't stop doing those things. But remember, I'm the one that searches out the thoughts and the intentions of every person. And I am the one who will give each of you whatever you deserve. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira. And and in the other letters that we saw, God's instructions to the people of the church were very clear, very active. But in this letter, the instructions that God gives to us are, are less active. And, and less, I think they're clear, but it's, it's, it's kind of, of a different kind of action. He says to prevent this, don't permit this, and cast this off. And we talked about how to cast it off. And in his second instruction, comes at the end. Hold tightly to what you have. And finally, what do you have? And how can we describe the salvation? How can we describe the wholeness that He gives to us? What do you have? We have forgiveness. All of us, Jesus died on the cross to forgive all of my sins for all time. The question is, will I live a life that reflects that all my sins have been forgiven? And will you? You can receive that. You can reject that. If you reject it, you don't receive the gift of it. And God will not force that gift upon you, I don't believe. You've got to receive that gift of salvation, that gift of forgiveness. Say, Jesus, I know I have sinned and I am sorry. Forgive me in the name of Jesus. We stand in heaven. (laughs) I don't know. I've said this once and people came back at me. I don't know if if, there's ex- if God's going to have a litany. There's one scripture that says God chooses to remember our sins no more. So I may get to heaven and Jesus say, say, "Come on in," but He may say, "Why should I let you in?" And I'm going to say, "Because Jesus is standing right here beside me, and I am holding on to Jesus because He said, by His death on the cross, He forgives my sins. And if it wasn't for Jesus, my sins were not, would not be forgiven. So God, I'm going to trust Jesus." That He's the reason you're going to let me in. And He's going to look at me and He says, You're absolutely right, Roger. I trust that. Come on in. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. We have forgiveness. And that forgiveness that Jesus won for us brings us peace with God. I just described that. Peace with God. God is not going to punish me because Jesus has made me right in the eyes of God because of that. But also, Jesus expects me, as as we've read earlier, to continually improve my life, to become holy as God is holy. That means He gives me a new life to live. So we have new life. And He also gives us the power to live that new life, which gives me great hope. These are just some of the things that we have that we can hold on to in our spiritual lives, in our lives with God. Picture yourselves falling into a river and somebody casts a rope to you. And you grab onto it. And, and that current is dragging you out to the sea. And you don't want to go out to the sea because you know out in the sea is death. But here's somebody who saw you struggling and they threw the rope out to you. Jesus is that somebody. <laughs> and he's cast this rope out to you. Grab onto it. That may be the only thing you have. Everything else about your life is washing over you. Do not let go of that rope. Don't let go of that rope. Because that rope is your only hope. Hang on to that rope. Hold on to these things. Hold on to the truth of the forgiveness. Hold on to the peace with God. Hold on to this promises of new life. Hold on to this, his, Him saying, I will give you the Holy Spirit to lead you in these things. Hold on to that hope. Don't let go of that rope? Do you have forgiveness? Do you have this peace with God? Are you clinging to that rope? Are you clinging to that new life? Are you trusting it? Are you receiving the power of God? Or are you focusing on the power of the water rushing over you? Focus on the power of the rope. (laughs) Because it's keeping you from getting washed away in whatever you're experiencing. And remember, There's somebody who loves you on the other end of that rope pulling you to rescue. It's Jesus. All my life, (laughs) you have been faithful to me. Let's take some time to pray this morning and think about these things and maybe you've already made decisions like this and you can just pray and you can just say, Rejoice! Thank you, Jesus, for these things. Maybe you need to pray for somebody else who, who may not experience this. And, and our prayer may be, Lord, help this person. Hold on to the rope. Maybe God's calling you to, to describe to somebody the rope that is available through Jesus in their life. Maybe they're getting sucked under the currents of life. And you say to them, come on. There is hope. There is love. There is peace through Christ, grab hold of it. Maybe you'll ask you'll need to pray and ask God to evaluate the teachings that you're committed to following. Maybe God is saying to you, You do these things wonderfully, but here's this area of your life that I would like you to improve. And you've blocked me from going to that part of your life. Let me go into that part of your life so that you may be mature. Complete and lacking nothing. That's what he wants for us. That came from James, chapter one, verses two and four. Let's take some time to pray as we close our service. I invite you to stand as we pray together. Given you some options, some questions to think about in your prayer. So let's talk to God as we continue to worship.
1: Your presence here with us today. We invite you to come if you want to come and kneel at the front and pray, or if you want to have someone pray with you, there'll be folks at our prayer stations this morning. Worship the Lord today. Hallelujah. Worthy as a lamb. stand against the enemy and against those things that we should take a stand against. So Lord, as we continue to worship today, as we go from this place, Lord, whatever we're doing in this next week, we pray, God, that you would help us to see you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, we're going to continue to worship for a few minutes. The front is open. When you need to go, you can go. And we're just going to spend some time in worship and an attitude of prayer. So God bless you.